Yeah, yeah, it's your man John A. Schultz, Lunchroom Chatter Podcast, Episode 6. This week, we talk about marriage. How short is too short before you decide to say I do to your man? And also, how long is too long to wait for your man to propose to you? Are you waiting forever? Have you been in a relationship for 10 years and still have not received that ring? We also talk about cheaters. We also dive into Russell Wilson. Is it fair? to russell to have the stigma that he is perfect is it fair because y'all know once he fuck up they gonna kill him we talking about that and more today on lunchroom chatter podcast but first we have a song by my man nobody nobody dropped his recent project admissions he's a dope artist so we have nobody this is admissions This right here is your boy Nobody with Admission. Stay tuned. Good episode today. Nobody with Admissions.
So before I dive deep into the topic of marriage in regards to what I feel is too short of a time frame to get married and also what I feel may be too long of a wait for marriage. I have a voice note from a listener named Lutricia Newborn, and this is her opinion in regards to what is too short of a of like a time frame to get married and also what is too long of a time frame to wait for the actual proposal. Now, as you guys know, I respect everybody's personal opinion, and that is why I wanted to include how a female feels in regards to this situation. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to play this voice note and then after I'll dive in and give you guys my opinion on what I feel is too short and also what I feel is too long of a time frame. So this right here is a message from Lutricia Newborn. Okay, so for me, I feel like if you've been in your relationship under a year, that's just too soon to be proposed to. And for me, too long to wait to be proposed to is like seven to ten years. I just feel like that's way too long. The perfect time I'd want to be proposed to is like anywhere from three to five years. But that's just me. Everyone's relationship is different and moves at a completely different pace. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is Lunchroom Chatter Episode 6. And um, a big topic today is marriage. Like how long should you wait for marriage? Because um, like I said, like I say every single week, when you go on social media, it seems as if marriage and love plays a big part in everyday life. And I say that because people rush to be married. And people rush to be married sometimes to a fault. They might rush too soon and end up in a fucked up situation. Now, sometimes the guy may not be ready and he may have you wait too long to where you begin to question yourself and to where <laughs> you begin to like think, am I even worth it? Do I mean anything to this guy? Why have I been sitting here for nine years with no ring? Is this guy ever going to propose to me? Or am I like kind of just stuck in limbo? And that's where I want to get today. Because um, let me start at the lowest point. Some people get married too fast. For example, now nah, I'm not going to use my mama. Matter of fact, fuck it. Y'all know on this podcast, I'm honest. I don't hold nothing back. So my mother, she got married within five to six months of meeting a guy which is different because she's like in her 50s so it's different now i feel young people when they get married too soon sometimes it can be dangerous and i say that because like the honeymoon stage of a relationship is very confusing because some some honeymoon stages are prolonged so you may be in a relationship a year or two years and you may be like oh my god my boyfriend and my girl they treat me so great but sometimes the honeymoon stages can still linger around even a year two years into the relationship and for those that don't know most of y'all know 
But for those of y'all who don't know, the honeymoon stage of a, of a relationship is where you meet someone's representative. That is not the person that will be there nine, ten years into the relationship if you make it that far. During the honeymoon stages, the guy or the girl, they go out of their way to be sweet to be overly loving you might you might go to the kitchen baby can you pass me a water she come back with three cups of water and you only asked for one but now when the honeymoon stage wears off and she goes to the kitchen baby can you pass me a water nigga get up and get your own water it changes before she was bringing you three cups of water now she's telling you get your own cup of water you see what i'm saying it changes so the honeymoon stages it varies and it changes depending on the person and depending on someone's mindset so like i said don't be fooled into thinking oh my god i'm one year into the relationship so if i get married right now the way he or she treats me will be the way they treat me forever it's not gonna be like that and um that is a dangerous part of marrying so soon because sometimes when you marry soon like very very soon into the relationship you have not yet learned the flaws of that person and one of the worst things you can do in my opinion is marry somebody because they're because then you are legally binded now you have married somebody and now once you're married to them that's when all the flaws start coming out they start cursing you out they might be mentally or physically abusive because you have not yet took the time to find out about that person as is because your ass jumped to the the fucking wedding aisle that quick and now something that i'm seeing is kind of prevalent in today's society is men who propose to women right before they go into prison Joel Santana did it with um what the fuck is his name um her name Kimbella I believe right now he's doing it maybe two years in prison maybe two and a half something like that and he proposed to Kimbella right before he went to prison and I feel that's fucked up and I say that because I feel as if men propose right before prison as a way to keep you there because a man's biggest fear is going somewhere where they'd be on a vacation, where they'd be going to prison. And he, he, he just envisions his girl fucking somebody else. And to me, th this is my opinion. That is why I feel men propose a lot before they go to prison. Because say, for example, your man has to go to prison for four to five years. Now, if you are just his girlfriend, like he just envisions you fucking anybody. But in his mind, now, if you are his fiance or you become his wife, then when he goes to prison, you are obligated to be faithful because you are now legally bonded. You have, you know, you y'all had a ceremony. The family and friends was there. You gave her a nice ring. So it's no way this bitch gonna cheat now because i done went above and beyond to give off the impression 
that I care. And that's fucked up. Because um, like I said on Instagram, y'all can follow me on Instagram, NYC underscore story 718. I said something last week in regards to somebody I know. Um, this female I know, she got into a messed up situation. Well, um, her man got into a messed up situation. And um, he he had to do, I believe it was it was something small like twelve months in prison. Now, mind you, they they were together maybe about three to four years, but he decided to propose right before he went to prison. Now, what I want to know is that you and her were together about four years. So you couldn't propose in those four years. You got to wait until before you go to prison as a way to keep her there. And females, look, y'all deserve better. Now, I am not in these relationships. So like I can give my opinion from the outside. But this is your man. That is someone you're with, someone you're sleeping with, someone who you know on on like a a one-on-one intimate basis to where you might you might know where his heart lies now i'm not saying that all guys who propose before they go to jail are doing it as a way to hold you down but i'm just saying the shit don't look right now on the flip side some guys wait too long and um you know as we know life is too short like there's no way you want to be in a relationship with a guy eight nine ten years and y'all have not even talked about marriage because then i begin to think does he even care about you is like do this guy even envision himself with you five years from now or maybe you are just the best he can do right now and he is wasting time and while wasting time he may have some side holes now as you know like when you're in love sometimes sometimes you overlook sometimes you turn a blind eye to what may be going on because as we know like for example if we have a friend that has a boyfriend and the guy's doing fucked up shit now that is not our man we are not around him 24 7 but we notice and we can pick up on when like when our friend's significant other may be cheating or when they just like they just may not be the person who you who you envision your friend with now when we are in love personally that same shit that we notice with our friends we overlook because we are blinded by love now i know someone who has been in a relationship for nine years and she told me a few months ago that he has not even talked about marriage now ladies fellas uh hold on, hold on, hold on. let me talk to my fellas right quick fellas if you are with a woman for like five years and you have not talked to her about marriage let her go why are you still holding her here she may she may be better off with somebody else because clearly you may not envision yourself with her so fellas ladies look like i mean there's no right or wrong answer as as to i guess in regards to when you should get married or like 
or like what is too long because we don't know like some people might say you know um if you get married within a year that's too quick but on the flip side there like there are couples out here who have gotten married within five to six months of meeting and they have been married 30 40 years and now some couples might wait 10 years to get married and the shit might end up in a divorce within a year so there's no right or wrong answer to give and i guess in regards to when you should like when you should or like you shouldn't get married the um the one thing you have to do is just use your best judgment like i said like don't overlook a lot of things because like sometimes like we know if if like somebody is good for us or like if this person is not someone who we can see ourselves with so sometimes like we got to stop being so blinded by love we got to take time like just like step outside of our bodies and like assess the situation and think to yourself does this person love me does this person still go above and beyond for me as they did in the beginning because like i said do not be fooled by the honeymoon stages because if you allow yourself to be fooled by the honeymoon stages you end up married and then you become like intertwined in a fucked up situation or you may end up with one to two kids by somebody who didn't deserve no kids by you so i know social media makes it seem like you have to get married you have to be in a super loving relationship 24 7 or else like your your life is fucked up that's not true so just take the time love yourself think about what it is that you want from someone because love can be scary but if you take the time to think about everything and put yourself in a great situation in terms of your feelings and like what is best for you you may end up in like a situation that is so amazing so now i want to get into um russell wilson because it seems as if every single week i see females painting russell wilson as this amazing godlike figure russell wilson never makes mistakes russell wilson is a man's man now i'm not saying he's not i have no issue with him at all i think he's i think he may be a great guy i think he like has like an amazing character but i feel like when women paint russell wilson as this perfect like specimen you guys are setting him up for failure because god forbid he gets caught in like a a bad situation or a situation that shows that he is human then everybody is going to lynch the man we're going to talk about how you know uh, russell wilson is not the guy i thought he was oh my god i don't believe in love no more if russell wilson can fuck up then my man has no hope stop thinking like that so next up we're going to talk quick about russell wilson and is russell wilson as perfect as we believe has sierra thought of the ultimate prayer to get a man like russell wilson in her life 
We're going to talk about that and more up next. Lunchroom Chatter Podcast, baby. Welcome back. Lunchroom Chatter Podcast, episode six. Now, look, um, before the break, I know I said I wanted to talk about Russell Wilson. I don't. Russell Wilson is not perfect. He is going to make a mistake. But when he makes a mistake, please do not lynch him and please do not jump down this motherfucker's throat. Because he is human. I know because of nice pictures and because of sweet videos, some of y'all believe that certain people may be perfect. This shit is not true. Do not let yourself be blinded by social media. So... I ain't going to stay on this motherfucker, Russell Wilson, man. God bless Sierra. God bless Russell. I hope they shit work out. I hope they shit grows and elevates. But um, let's talk about by now. I know we have all seen the series when they see us, which is the limited documentary that talks about the Century Park Five. Now, before this came out, I was well aware of the situation I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. I've seen about two documentaries on the situation. I did a, um, an essay on it when I was in high school. So I was well aware of the situation. But actually seeing the situation acted out, because like I said, when I seen the documentaries, the documentaries was like kind of like bits and pieces of like what actually happened. But like it wasn't told in a way as the Netflix series because the Netflix series it showed you the beginning acted out it showed you how things elevated now I'm sure some things were kind of twisted for like dramatic purposes you know in terms of TV but a lot of it was true and but like I said this is a spoiler alert because I know some of y'all don't stay up to date on our history and on what happened so to some of y'all this might be the first time y'all have heard of this story. But, um, man, can we talk about episode four? Man, hold on. Let, let me get, I, I got to get that guy's name. I believe his name was Jarrell Jerome. The the actor who played Corey. What, oh, my. Man, the, the, the last time I cried in a show, I can't even think of it. Yeah, his name was Jarrell Jerome. He from the Bronx, New York. Man, the last time I cried watching something, it might have been shit. I don't even know. But the way this man, Jarrell Jerome, portrayed Corey Wise was 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 just utterly amazing. I was watching episode four. I'm like, this motherfucker, this gotta be the real nigga. I mean, Jarrell Jerome was on point down to the way Corey speaks in real life. Because like when he was on the stand talking about, you know, I just, I just, I want to go home. I'm like, yo, this motherfucker is bodying this shit. Now, every single actor and actress who took part in the series did an amazing job. But Jarrell Jerome stood out. I mean... This motherfucker here. He has a great future ahead. 
And um, also, as y'all noticed, he was the only actor to play the younger version as well as the adult version. Now, the part where I broke down um, was when was when um, he grew up and I believe he was um, in upstate New York at the prison and his mama came to visit him. And, you know, it was time for them to leave. And he was begging his mother, you know, to come see me more. But he was so far away from New York City. I think it said he was like 260 miles away from the city. And I can relate to that because my brother was in prison. My brother got out of prison last year and my brother was 300 miles upstate. And my mother also lived in the Bronx, New York. And now it is very difficult as a single mother to make it 300 miles upstate to see your son on a consistent basis. Because when you factor in money, you factor in if you have other kids and like a lot of things can play a part into why you are not able to see your child who may be in prison. Even though you love your child, sometimes you are like due to financial situations and like whatever else may come into the equation, you just can't go. So that is the part that broke me down was when she was leaving and you know, like he reached for her hand and like you hit a prison guard in the back saying, stop, you can't touch or like whatever the case may be. And he was like, mom, come see me more. Please come see me. Mom, please come see me more. Like, like it was just heart wrenching because as we saw while watching um, the, the, um, the, the TV show, he was the only one who was sent to an adult prison. The only one. At 16 years old, he was classified as an adult and he was sent to Rikers Island. And now my brother, he did a year and a half at Rikers Island. And some of the stories he told me is crazy. Like a lot of the guards are very shady. Now, not every single correction officer is fucked up. Every single correction officer does not do fucked up shit. But inside, there's a hierarchy to where like the inmate who I guess is like at the top of the food chain, they have perks that others don't have. And a lot of those inmates who are like top tier, like a lot of the times they pay these COs outside. Yes, the inmate is inside, but they still have people on the outside who can pay these COs. And by them paying these correction officers, they get perks inside the prison. Because as we've seen watching it, when Corey, he went upstate and the guard kept asking Corey, what is it that you can do for me? And Corey said, I don't know. And as we've seen, he got fucked up. Because the guard was like, you useless. You can't do shit for me here. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to let the big dogs, I'm going to let the guys that pay me, the guys that look out for me, the guys that line my pockets to fuck you up. And by doing that, you are going to eventually get on board. You are going to eventually fall in line and you're going to start doing shit for me. And as we've seen, eventually he came around, he started giving the guard like, like candy bars and shit. But I'm saying, oh my God, like episode four, I mean, I'm watching the show. My son was asleep and like, I'm watching the show 
And it's like the next thing I know, like tears start coming down my eyes. And like, this is a story that I have read about, that I have studied, that I have, you know, known about for over 20 years. So the fact that this young man was able to embody that role and like have that such of an impact on my emotional psyche and like even saying it back now I'm getting emotional because of thinking about what my mother went through with my brother because Corey had like some kind of learning disabilities as we can see while watching it in terms of speech in terms of like you know mentally and my brother is is similar in um a lot of those ways so it just put me into the mindset and like it made me think about the things that my brother went through while while up there because my brother was beat by the guards my brother he, like he has a chipped tooth on like the side of his mouth when he got his face um smashed into the ground by two COs. so like a lot just went through my head while watching that and then it's like the fact that i am a young black man from new york city and like i spent so much of my youth you know like in central park because if you are from new york or like you have been Central Park is a big park. There's like a lot of joggers, a lot of hikers. It's just kids. Like in the summertime now, it's getting warm. So it's like, it's people out. Like, it's amazing. Like Central Park is a great park. So like, I just thought about myself going through Central Park with my friends and getting singled out by police officers when I had nothing to do with the situation. Because as a black youth, even as a black man, like once you get like within the criminal justice system and like you get within that court, we don't have the same, like the same rights as police officers. We don't have the same perks and the same leeway as, as a, as a Caucasian. Now I am not saying that white people, you know, like, like I'm not blaming white people for for like some of the things that we go through because not every single white person is a bad person but what I'm saying is that if you are white you have white privilege whether you want to admit it or not you have that privilege like every single time I'm driving on the road and there's a cop behind me I get nervous now I'm not getting nervous because I have something to hide I'm getting nervous because I know God forbid I do something wrong and I get pulled over. This may be my last minute on earth. And that's a scary thought. So going back to the Central Park five, it's just like even like in the first episode where they was getting like interrogated and they was kind of like pressing the kids and, you know, hitting them and abusing them to kind of get them to say what they needed them to say in order to make the case like solid like i just thought about myself and like i said i was already emotional but like from the first episode like all the fucked up shit what was the bitch name linda she was like twisting shit she was like contorting and doing all this shit to like so the kids can go to jail and the other lady was like yo you know what like the shit like the shit it's not adding up like i don't believe these boys did the shit and she was like, no, well, if it wasn't them, they was in the park anyway. We're going to get these motherfuckers. I'm like, yo, bro. So just like seeing that acted out, it made me angry. 
and like i said the first three episodes they were amazing but it was tough to watch but then when we got to episode four and like episode four focused on Corey wise for like the majority of the episode that was painful to watch and then even going back to um to his brother who became transgender and was murdered while he was in prison and seeing like how Corey wise mother treated treated um the brother who became marcy it was tough to watch and then when he was in um solitary confinement then he started hallucinating then he started seeing his sister or brother on the bed it, it was tough to watch man like the only part of that episode where i kind of like i kind of smiled and like i had like a a like a burst of energy was when he met the CEO that was looking out for him. The CEO bought this motherfucker a Chia pet. I'm like, I started smiling. I'm like, yo, I haven't seen a Chia pet in like, in like 10 years. So like going back in my mindset to when Chia pets was like on the commercials, like Chia pets was like a big thing that put a smile on my face. Even going back to, you know, like when he got him a job, you know, like mopping the floors. So like to kind of get him out the room so he wasn't like laying down in the room 24-7. Like that part put a smile to my face. But like I was glad that the story was made in such a raw and honest way. Because there's nothing about that story to smile about. Like, there's no way you can flip that story and make it a happy story. Even now, the fact that the guys are out of jail and that they are they are free is still not a happy story because they lost so much time of their lives. Like I say all the time, we get one life. So to even lose, to even lose two years of your life for a crime that you did not commit is a long time. So... I believe what's the, what's what's the chick name Ava DuVernay, and um anybody else that was involved in the making of that project, I salute you. The Central Park Five, that series when they see us, that was one of the best I have seen in a long time. Now eventually I may be in a place where I can watch it again, but right now I can't. Because like I said, episode four tore me up, man. And like as a man, I can admit this. Like I'm not a man that come online. Like I don't bullshit. I'm not going to hit y'all with the fake shit and tell y'all, yeah, you know, when I was watching the documentary, I was, you know, I was chilling. I wasn't chilling. Like me being a black man, that that series moved me. So, you know, shout out to Ava DuVernay. Shout out to every single person involved in that project. And a big shout out to Jarrell Jerome. Because you bodied that role, my man. I mean, like you took that role to heights that like, like I had no idea it can go. And like after seeing you play that role, I cannot picture no other actor like doing that role justice the way you did. So shout out to Jarrell Jerome. Shout out to every single person involved in that series like that series right there made my week man it was tough to watch but it was a necessary show to watch because a lot of those elements and like a lot of those 
scenarios that happen, especially in regards to like the criminal justice system, they still happen now in 2019. So if you have if you have not seen the limited series on Netflix entitled When They See Us, get your ass up and go watch it right now. Stay tuned. I'm coming back. I would like to end this podcast off by saying R.I.P. to Malaya Davis. Last week, police said that they no longer believe that they were dealing with a missing person investigation. They now believed that four-year-old Malaya Davis was murdered and that they were searching for her remains. Well, today, a few hours ago, police have confirmed that the bones found last week on the side of the road in Arkansas by some lawnmowers. Lawnmowers last week in Arkansas, they were mowing the side of the road. They found the black plastic bag with bones, blood, and it had a foul odor. And police said at the time, they were unsure if that bag contained the remains of Malaya Davis. Well, today it is confirmed that those are her remains. And this right here is a sad situation because the man accused of killing her said that he did not believe the mother was doing a great job raising her and in response to that if you didn't believe the mother was doing a great job raising her or you were i guess annoyed that you had to watch her or, or like whatever the case may be your best option in response to that was to kill a four-year-old child like i have a son my son is four years old and yes i will admit there are many times where a child can get under your skin there are many times when as a parent and i'm sure we all have been there where sometimes you get fed up sometimes you may be annoyed sometimes you may be overwhelmed sometimes it may be too much to where you may need a break but we don't think about killing our child because that is someone we love. That is someone that we create that, that we created, that we took the time to make. So to have a four-year-old child murdered and killed, I guess her body cut up and left on the side of the road. That's a terrible way to go for anybody. And that is a a, a just a that is a bad way. For a four-year-old child who has not yet begun to live her life to be taken out of this world. She will no longer have a kindergarten graduation. She won't know what it's like to go to prom. She won't know what it's like to walk down the aisle and to receive her high school diploma. She won't know what it's like to go to college. She will no longer be able to be married, have kids of her own. All because some miserable, just despicable son of a bitch decided that he should play God and take her out. It's a sad way to go, but thank you guys for tuning in to episode six. I appreciate you guys for listening. I know this episode came kind of early, but I figured I'll get it out the way because I got a lot of shit to do later on in the week. 
but i hope you i hope you guys have a great week i hope you guys be safe i hope you guys like i say every single week if you love somebody make sure you tell them you love them if you love someone let them know appreciate you guys for listening lunchroom chatter podcast episode six be safe stay tuned